Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, we're going to talk about IKEA and clutter and desire and efficiency. I had a dream the other night where I was trying to explain my life philosophy, specifically how I use yoga to inform that philosophy. And I remember the person I was talking to was asking me what tradition it's based on, Hindu or Jane, or is it a combination of East and West? And I remember saying something along the lines of, it's more like Ikea. You know the directions to put together a piece of Ikea furniture? It's all pictures, smiling faces, no words. And because of that, it's either very, very simple or infuriatingly vague and frustrating, depending on how much you understand them. It's very clear, but it's our assumptions and our incorrect perception that makes them challenging. To me, that explained my experience of yoga philosophy as well. It's all right there, very simply laid out for us, or it's completely obfuscated and doesn't match our experience of the world at all. But both are true, just depending on your perspective. Now take that with a grain of salt, because also in this dream, my friend from college was feeding a sheep, which was the size of a buffalo, on a hillside covered in bougainvillea, overlooking a parkway. So make of that what you will. There are a lot of different kinds of yoga, of asana, of the postures, and many schools of thought about the philosophy. What's generally taught, though traditionally, and when I say traditionally, I mean more recently, Western world, are the eight limbs as laid out in the yoga sutras of Patanjali. The yamas, niyamas, asana, pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. And then what's more recently come into my field of vision, the system of Ayurveda, the science of life that addresses diet and lifestyle that leads to an overall definition of health. You've heard me talk about it here before, like attracts like, opposites balance. I recently listened to a podcast with Yoganand Michael Carroll. He was a guest on the Intelligent Edge Yoga podcast hosted by fellow Kripalu Foundations of Ayurveda graduate, Catherine Flynn. And I'll link to that episode in particular in the show notes of this show. Their conversation is fascinating and dives deeper into the history of yoga philosophy. And one of the things that came up was that yoga as we know it didn't really exist until recently. Even the ancient texts talked about yoga, but as a concept more than a very specific practice. Yoga was a pathway to God, any pathway not something specifically laid out so cleanly and clearly. And on the show, they discuss how there has never been a time where there was a universally agreed upon definition of yoga. So we may celebrate or lament goat yoga or CBD oil yoga, but in a way, maybe it's nothing new. We may go in for a chakra-based practice or a meditation-based path, but there's no right answer. There's no correct answer, despite what some of us may have been led to believe. We, by we I mean people, have been combining and weaving different ideas and concepts and practices together since the beginning in order to try to get to some more universal core truth. We keep on adding 
what could be seen as complication in order to get closer to what's at the center of an already existing universal truth. What I'm positing here when I talk about the efficiency model is that perhaps we don't need to add anything, but instead start subtracting things. Again, that's where this efficiency idea comes in. I am drawn to the sheer minimalism and simplicity of it in a chaotic world. So what do I mean by an efficiency model? It's nothing we haven't touched on here before. Instead of adding colors to chakras or habits to a list of to-dos or crystals to your mantle, instead focus on what clears away debris so that we can see more clearly. It's that clearing away process that can get so multi-layered and complicated. Oh, in order to clear away, should I light Palo Santo? Should I burn sage? Should I eat only those certain foods and live by these certain rules? The rituals that are meant to clear the way can sometimes obscure the goal altogether. And I think, especially in the modern Instagram commerce-driven yoga industrial complex, we get caught in the trappings of the ritual. And that transforms what is meant or conceived as a way of clearing, of subtracting, and it turns that ritual, instead of being a way of subtracting, it turns it into a commodity, another way to add a layer on top of clarity, covering clarity. Here's, I think, where the snake starts eating its tail a little bit, because the things that are intended to clear away distraction can, in and of themselves, become a distraction. And we talked about this a while back on the show, I think in the context of yamas and niyamas. Most of us have competing desires to A, gather around us meaningful or self-defining things or behaviors, and B, to declutter, to simplify, to get rid of, to let go. And those can both be there and both exist at the same time. As a yogi, one may want to replicate the simple life of a cave-dwelling meditator, and so we go about that by being the person who takes this class and Instagrams a selfie with such and such a teacher and buys sacred mala beads that have been blessed by the guru and set up our altar with a statue of Ganesh from India, right? We're piling on layer after layer after layer to try to find meaning outside of us, all driven by self-identity and sometimes driven by a desire to have less or do less. And as long as those things you do and have are the right things that project the right lifestyle choices. We've talked about these things, these items or behaviors or externally identified pieces of clutter. And the way we've talked about it in the past is that they can steal our energy. On one show, I gave the example of the dust bunny, which I'll remind us of here. It's like when you spot a dust bunny on the floor and you're in the middle of something so you don't pick it up right away. And maybe it's not a dust bunny. Maybe it's a receipt that fell out of a bag or it's a dish on the counter or it's a Lego on the floor, whatever it is. Throughout your day, you just keep noticing it out of the corner of your eye. Your peripheral vision latches onto it. But you're on the way to the laundry with a pile of stuff or you're on the phone or you're doing something else. But it keeps on coming up. And there's this idea that every time you notice that dust bunny or Lego or whatever it is, and you don't do something about it, it takes energy away from you. It steals your thought, your energy, because you're distracted by it. And this leads into my theory about minimalism and minimalists. They're just lazy 
Because the more stuff you have, the more stuff can be out of place. And the more stuff that's out of place, the more energy you lose. So minimalism is simply being energy efficient with yourself. Less stuff to clean up, less stuff to be distracted by. Too much stuff is exhausting. Again, this brings us back to the efficiency model, which in my mind is what all the yamas and niyamas are about. Don't create shitty karma and you won't have to spend your time and energy dealing with shitty karma. Shitty karma being the dust bunny in your peripheral vision in this example. Don't lie, don't steal, because you're just creating circumstances for yourself that will distract you from the real goal. Whatever that goal is, life, health, liberation, enlightenment, pursuit of jubilance. And this is what Ayurveda is after as well. All the rules about seasonal eating and the post-digestive effect of a certain food, as well as the cleaning of toxins, all the rituals, all of that is meant to make the body and mind as efficient as possible. You eat well, make your body efficient and healthy so that you can be an incredible enlightenment achieving machine. If you're healthy, you can function better in life to attain your goals, even if one of those goals is liberation. Let's remember that Ayurvedic definition of health isn't just about not being sick. It's about balance, balanced elements, balanced digestion, balanced tissues and wastes, sensory and motor organs, as well as mind and heart in a pleasant state. All of that put together is health. So Ayurveda doesn't want us to be distracted by heartburn or digestive issues, lethargy, or a mind caught up in cycles of past or future-focused thinking. And so the system that Ayurveda offers is an approach to health that frees the body and mind from those kinds of distractions. That said, and this is one of the things I love about what Ayurveda brings to the table, it's not about asceticism. It's not about uber minimalism. It's not about living in a cave with nothing because for most of us that is unbalanced. How do you find balance in the real world where you actually live? From there, once you find that equilibrium, everything else falls away and you're left without distraction. I'll pause here as I always do to say thank you. Thanks for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. If you haven't already, you can subscribe for these last remaining episodes. You can always find all our back episodes and all our future episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. Go there and go to contact to sign up for the newsletter. This puppy goes out once a month and it will fill you in on anything you missed on the show. And as the show winds down, I'll use this sparingly. I'm not a spam person. But I'll use it sparingly to let you know of any opportunities for us to meet again, workshops and live events I'm doing, any special postnatal episodes I may put out. You can learn about all of that on the newsletter. And again, I do have a couple of spots open still for one-on-one coaching. This can happen in person if you're in the neighborhood or virtually. So if you do happen to like the show and you would rather turn it into a two-way conversation, we can do that. Just go to the URL justregularyoga.com. Three words all strung together. Justregularyoga.com. Or reach out on social to be in touch. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution. Yoga for the revolution on Instagram or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r. So 
again, to go back to this efficiency model, I'm not suggesting we all become extreme minimalists who live in a cave. We don't have to marry condo our whole lives and our own selves, except actually maybe I am because she has a way of talking about things. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Mary Kondo, the, there's something about tidying up. That's cool. I think that's the name of it. But what I understand is that the way she goes through getting rid of clutter is that there's a real self-inquiry for each individual to determine whether an object or piece of clothing is really serving them and bringing them joy. And if it is, great, have it. And if it's not, let it go, which I think is very Ayurvedic in its philosophy. If eating warm cooked foods serves you, do it. If adding too much spice is not good for you, then let it go and don't add too much spice, right? So I wanna be careful about suggesting that we all need to go put on the mantle of asceticism because I don't think that's true. We now live in the world. We don't live in a cave and we have to function in the world. So let's make that as an a priori assumption. What do you need? You might need things, that's okay, but we don't need to add anything to make us more yogic, except maybe for self-inquiry and mindfulness. We don't need to add items, products, performances to make us better people. Instead, it's a matter of efficiency. Does this habit serve you well towards the goal of health in body, mind, and spirit? Does this action serve you well towards the goal of health? in body, mind, or spirit? Does reading the news every morning while you're still in bed serve you well towards the goal of health in body, mind, or spirit? If it does, fold it up in a very special way and hug it and thank it and put it back in its place with you, right next to you. If not, if a behavior like obsessively refreshing Twitter or obsessively taking yoga trainings even or buying new meditation paraphernalia, if that doesn't serve you well towards the goal of healthy mind, body, and spirit, then thank those things. Thank those products or those habits or thoughts or behavior and let them go. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.